Hi, this is Emily again, and I am renewing once again these podcasts. I have been uh, celebrating Lothar, which is the uh, Chinese New Year's celebration of the lunar month calendar, uh, followed, of course, by the Tibetan people. And as most of you know, I am now practicing in alignment with Tibetan uh, Buddhist teachings. So I found this Lothar to be a very interesting experience. And one of the things that came to mind was to continue on with these um, with these brief messages for as long as I can do this, that it's still part of something that I have to do while I'm still in the skin. So what I wanted to do is review again, I re-review the Tao of Physics from the third edition updated. And the Tao of Physics is by the author Fritoff Kapra. And the the issue I'm looking at is the only available edition of the international bestseller when, with an added chapter on the future of the new physics. And this was published by Shandala, Pubs Incorporated, in 1991. So it isn't brand new, you know, it's still kind of the same old, same old, but yet it's still brand new to many people. And the ideas that that he presented to us in the first edition in 1975, subsequent edition in 1983, are still so very more important and germane today. And one cannot help but wonder if, if these teachings had not been taken seriously by more people perhaps we would not be going through the changes that we are occurring now. And on the other hand, it's very good to know this kind of basic information because it provides a frame of references for the kinds of things that are occurring in the world, uh, not just in the States, but all over the world. Uh, as as we experience the, the um, exposition of the degree of corruption uh, rot, I guess, maybe dry rot, you could say, that's in the current system and how it is literally just falling apart and and that we can be welcoming that it's falling apart because we certainly have plenty enough information to be consciously co-creating the kind of life that we want ourselves to have, but all of our loved ones too, and our loved ones as explained by um, quantum physics and explained even more beautifully in the last chapter added to this book by Fritjof Kapra of how um, of how our paradigm shift is shifting so that we're moving from what old Newtonian physics was called uh, fundamentalist points of view or the basic kind of things that eventually if you keep exploring something taking it apart you'll get to the basic building blocks which was found to be not true there's no absolute building blocks at all there's only um, energy that shifts energy that shifts in form and function over a period of time so those old concepts that old paradigm shifts that we've been living with for the last couple thousands of years have produced as you can see not only many wonderful things in our human lives and greatly to the detriment of other lives on this continent, um, or on this planet, at this time, but also many, many problems. And it's a wonderful opportunity to be alive now, so that we can consciously participate in in the implementation of new um, and truer ways of, of recognizing who and what we are as human beings on planet Earth. 
and our joys and responsibilities, not only to our own species, but to all that there is. So I'm going to, oh my gosh, I'm at five minutes already. Well, I'm just going to take a few more minutes then and just review some of the items that, that the author, Frita Capra, um, and the Dow of Physics, third edition, updated. Um, and I really encourage you to go back and, and um, not only just pull out your old copy of that, you probably have one like most of us that's sort of thoroughly dust-coated dust by now, um, and maybe take a look at the, get one of these um, third editions updated with his comments, The Future of the New Physics Afterward to the Third Edition. So I just briefly told you what, what the, the changes are as moving from a, the Newtonian physics, which we now recognize has its own place within the structure of reality, but is not the only, the only. It is um, important in, in some levels of, of reality, um, but not necessarily holding true for all of them. So he said there's a new paradigm thinking in science, and he points out six things that are very different. So one of them is the awareness of the unity and the mutual interrelation of all things and events. The experience of all phenomena and its manifestations of the basic oneness is the most important common characteristic of Eastern worldviews. And one could say it is the very essence of those views as it is in all mystical traditions and all things are seen as interdependent, inseparable, and as transient patterns of the same ultimate reality. So it's um, put that in more common languages, like saying, you know, like 21 flavors of ice cream. It's all ice cream. Once you get down to whether it's chocolate or vanilla or strawberry or any, any unlimited kinds of ice cream, it's all ice cream. So the second criterion that he recommends of new paradigm thinking in science concerns of thinking in terms of structure to thinking in terms of process. So, for example, instead of going from that very rigid structure of what seems to be embodied in the the now very um, old re religions of um, ultimate reality being vested in something outside of ourselves, uh, which we cannot find and cannot disprove, we neither prove nor disprove, but it's holding to some kind of a rigid idea, um, has, has really been... Um, helpful in many respects as we've gone through the centuries but what he says um, the second criteria is in terms of uh, thinking in terms of structure to, to thinking in terms of process and the old paradigm was thought that there were fundamental structures and that there were forces and mechanisms through which these interacted which gave rise to process in the new paradigm we think that process is primary and that every structure we observe is a manifestation of an underlying process. So in other words, kind of look at it from a different point of view. Uh, and number three, uh, principle, it was Heisenberg who brought this crucial role of the observer into the quantum physics that we can never speak about nature without at the same time speaking about ourselves. So everything that we look at, we are influenced by our looking at it and therefore, we are very aware of being, once we know this, of being consciously co-creating the worlds that we live in. Okay, number four. The fourth criterion of the new paradigm thinking is maybe the most profound and the most difficult to get used to. It concerns the age-old metaphor of knowledge as a building. Scientists speak about fundamental laws, referring to the fundament or the basis 
or the building of knowledge, knowledge has to be built on sound and firm foundations. There are basic building blocks of matter. There are fundamental equations and fundamental constants and fundamental principles. And this metaphor of knowledge as a building with solid foundation has been used without, uh, throughout Western science and philosophy for thousands of years. However, we know that things do not remain solid. We, they have repeated, shifted repeatedly and several times are completely shattered. Uh, a lot of our old ideas. Whenever major scientific revolutions occur, it was felt that the foundations of science were moving. And thus, Descartes wrote in his celebrated discourse on method about the science of his time, I considered that nothing solid could be built on such shifting foundations. And he went about to build a science on firm foundations. But 300 years later, Einstein, in his autobiography, wrote the following comment on the development of quantum physics when he said it was if the ground had been pulled out from underneath one with no firm foundations to be seen anywhere upon which one could build. So again and again, he says, throughout the history of science, there has been a feeling that the foundations of knowledge were shifting or even crumbling. The current paradigm shift in science again evokes such a feeling, but this time it may be the last time. Not because there won't be any more progress or any more changes, but because there won't be any foundations in the future. We may not see a necessity in the future science to build our knowledge on firm foundations, and we may replace the metaphor of the building by the metaphor of the network, just as we have seen reality around us as a network of relationships are to our descriptions to our concepts, models, and theories will form an interconnected network represented the observed phenomenon. In such a network, there won't be anything primary and secondary, and there won't be any foundations. So this quote came comes directly out of this book, page 332, page 3300. This last chapter in the book where he's reviewing his own work um, is what I'm quoting from, and the page I just read from is page 332. The Tao of Physics by Fritav Kapra, third edition, updated. Well, it's updated. So let me see. Number, brief summary, the four criteria of the new paradigm thinking he's been presented so far are all interdependent. Nature is seen as an interconnected dynamic network of relationships that include the human observer as an integral component. And all parts of this network are merely relatively stable patterns and correspondingly natural phenomenon are described in terms of a network of concepts in which no part is more fundamental than any other part. So, on to number five. This insight is crucial to all modern science. It represents his criteria. Number six, the shift from truth to absolute descriptions. The Cartesian paradigm was based on a certainty uh, scientific knowledge, which has been clearly stated by Descartes, Descartes, and in the new paradigm, it is recognized that all scientific concepts and theories are limited and approximate. Science can never provide any complete and definitive understanding, and scientists do not deal with truth in the sense of a precise correspondence between the description and the described phenomenon. <coughs> they deal with limited and approximate descriptions of reality. The most beautiful expression of this criteria uh, he has found is one by Louis Pasteur that says, science advances through tentative answers 
to a series of more and more subtle questions which reach deeper and deeper into the essence of natural phenomenon. So it's impossible, as the mystics often insist, that no single phenomenon can be fully explained. They are generally not interested in explaining things, but rather in the direct non-intellectual experience of the unity of all things. And I have certainly experienced that. There's experiences that we all have. We all have this capability because it's our innate nature that we experience things that we cannot describe or define by any of the current knowledge bases in our culture. So I'm going to take a few more minutes here in my last, in continuing to quote Fritov Kapra. My last criteria, finally, he says, does not express an observation, but rather an advocacy. I believe that human survival in the face of the threat of nuclear holocaust and the devastation of our natural environment will be possible only if we are able to radically change the methods and the values underlying our science and technology. As my last criterion, I advocate the shift from an attitude of dominance and control of nature, including human beings, to one of cooperation and nonviolence. Page 334. Continuing to quote, our science and technology are based on the belief that an understanding of nature implies domination of nature by man. And I use the word man, M-A-N, man, here on purpose, because I am talking about a very important connection between the mechanistic worldview in science and the patriarchal value system. The male tendency of wanting to control everything. In the history of Western science and philosophy, this connection is personified by Francis Bacon, who in the 17th century advocated the new empirical method of science in passionate and often outright vicious terms. Nature has to be, quote, hounded in her wanderings, quotes Wolf Bacon, bound into service and made a slave. She is to be put in constraint, and the aim of the scientist is to torture nature's secrets from her. End of quote. These violent images of nature as a female whose secrets have to be tortured from her with the help of mechanical devices is strongly suggested by the torture of women in the witch trials of the 17th century, which were very familiar to Bacon, who was the Attorney General for King James I. So here we have a crucial and frightening connection between mechanic, mechanistic science and patriarchic values, which had a tremendous impact on the further development of science and technology. So before the 17th century, before the 17th century, the goals of science were wisdom, understanding the natural order, and living in harmony with it. And in the 17th century, this attitude, which one could call an ecological attitude, changed into its opposite. Ever since Bacon, the goal of science has been knowledge that can be used to dominate and control nature, and today, both science and technology are used predominantly for purposes that are dangerous harmful, and anti-ecological. The change of worldview that is now occurring will have to include a profound change of values, in fact, a complete change of heart, from the intent to dominate and control nature to an attitude of cooperation and nonviolence. Such an attitude is deeply ecological and, not surprisingly, it is the attitude characteristics of spiritual traditions. The Chinese sages of old expressed it beautifully. They say, those who follow the natural order flow in the current of the Tao. End of quote, ending on page 335. 
Now he does go on uh, on some other suggestions and how to use the so-called new physics, which of course isn't so new anymore. And I highly recommend or highly suggest that you do get a copy of this book, The Tao of Physics, third edition updated by Frita Capra. And, and if you don't want to go through all of the physics that are in this book, that's okay. Just go to this chapter in the back, um, which is the new physics revisited. The future of the new physics, of the new physics afterwards to the third edition. And it seems to me that these concepts that he is presenting, um, which were new, and when did that first edition come out? Let me see. I'm flipping some pages here. 1975. Well, there's <laughs> quite a few years between that and now. And this uh, revised edition in 1991 are still what we need, in my opinion, my recommendation as a guide for um, consciously co-creating the kind of life that we wish to have for ourselves, for our loved ones, and for all of creation. And that's what I'm all about. And oh, I've talked for 17 minutes. Oh my gosh. And 15 seconds. So I'll sign off now and label this um, the Dow of Physics Reviewed and be back with more later. Thanks. Bye.